Yes, hello, fighterers. Uh, there's no new episode this week as I'm taking a week off. However, uh, I do have a bonus episode out over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash newsfighters. If you want to check that out, it's got lots of outtakes, including uh, Stefan talking about the Olympics. Lots of stuff that didn't make it in the final episode. Um, and this week, I thought I would release a best of uh, here on the free feed. Um, not so much a best of, but just a cluster f- compile. Um, I thought I would go back to June and release all the segments in order where I covered the New South Wales Delta outbreak, starting uh, all the way back on our episode on June the 25th, episode 72, where right as we locked down, uh, I released an episode to the background of the outbreak. And I'm just going to release all the segments on the Delta outbreak after that. 73 on uh, July the 2nd. I'm going to play them, all the segments in order, Uh, I hope you can follow where we're at um, and really just relive the nightmare that is the third wave of COVID-19 in Australia. What went wrong, where the government stuffed up, and all the fun and laughs we had along the way. Anyways, no new episode this week. Enjoy this classic compile. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. This is News Fighters. Where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. And speaking of parliaments getting infected with hideous diseases. In breaking news this morning, Sydney's COVID scare has spread to the state's parliament, with the health minister now in isolation after possibly coming into contact with a positive case. Nationals MP and Minister for Agriculture in New South Wales, Adam Marshall, has tested positive for COVID-19. New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard has confirmed he is in isolation after he was identified as a close contact of a possible COVID-19 case. Yes, New South Wales State Parliament now has as many COVID cases as Byron Bay had when Bluesfest was shut down. At the 11th hour, the Health Minister has cancelled the Byron Bay Bluesfest. The dramatic development is in response to a local man catching COVID. It's difficult. It would have been better if uh, the Bluesfest uh, had been perhaps in another few months instead of right now. Hey, none of you parliamentarians pick up a guitar or, or show any artistic or creative flair or Brad Hazard's going to shut you right down. Also, it turns out Parliament House was host to a super spreader event. Minister Marshall was infected, but not infectious, he says, until that night. When he was at a Nationals fundraising dinner, many of the attendees got a text from New South Wales Health today saying you've been exposed to the COVID-19 virus at the strangers' dining room at Parliament House, deemed close contacts, isolation for up to two weeks. Yes, a National Party fundraising dinner. I hear the main course was... Uh, Self-combusting piles of manure. Yes, once again, the National Party seems to be everything that's wrong with Australia. When they're not against net zero emissions or gay marriage or coffee for some reason, they're hosting coronavirus super spreading parties. Thanks, Nationals. So yes, two weeks isolation for everyone who was at the National Party dinner. Sorry, except for who? Gladys Berejiklian says he didn't speak with her. Zero. He has been interviewed and has confirmed uh, he had zero contact with me. She's been classified a casual contact, despite other people in the room being told to self-isolate for 14 days. 
I was uh, interviewed by Health. Uh, health has made their assessments and deemed uh, that I'm a casual contact. So everyone else from the dinner is like two weeks forced isolation and the Premier is like, nah, it's just there casually. Oh, didn't you see? I was wearing sneakers and jeans. It was, it was just a casual visit. 10,000 people are in forced isolation in New South Wales right now. Countless people have found themselves forced to lose out on work because they were at a coffee shop or a pub at the wrong time. Uh, and the Premier just, is just like, nah, I, sorry, New South Wales Health. I don't, I was, I'm a casual. It was a very casual contact. And also, the restrictions in Sydney are sending all sorts of mixed messages. Good evening. It's not a full lockdown, but it's not far off. Tonight, Sydney residents are facing some of the toughest COVID restrictions we've known. More than a million people are tonight banned from leaving Sydney. Gym goers in Sydney and surrounding areas now have to wear masks, including in high-intensity classes. Also, household visits limited to five, including children. Drinking while standing, banned again. Yes, right now, all the vaccinated Americans are going to music festivals and I can't even have six people over to my house to stand and drink at the same time. And also, uh, I don't think it's very safe to go to the gym right now, even if you uh, are wearing a mask. I'd probably shut the gyms down. I'd say they're vastly more dangerous than a sit-down outdoor music festival, but that's just my opinion. So with all this transmission happening, you think like every other city in Australia, we'd have a short, sharp lockdown right now to stop the spread. <laughs> right, New South Wales uh, Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant? Three-day lockdowns don't work if you've got distributed disease. Three days is not long enough. Oh, too late for a short lockdown. Okay, uh, note to self, uh, go out and buy some toilet paper and like... One of those billion-piece jigsaw puzzles. A real big one. Yeah, it's, it's weird the New South Wales government isn't taking this more seriously, given the outbreak is of the scary uh, Delta variant that ravaged India. This Delta strain is so infectious, a person could get it within seconds. The Premier is now warning COVID-19 is jumping from person to person with contact that's scarily fleeting. In some instances, the exchanges have been scaringly fleeting. Yes, scarily fleeting was also the feedback I received when I tried speed dating for the first time. Oh, my three minutes with that Dylan guy. Oh, that was scarily fleeting. Okay, so what's caused this Sydney outbreak this time? Well, turns out we can't just blame an infected Melburnian for going to the Crossroads Hotel like we did last July. This one's on us. The limo driver who started all of this wasn't legally required to wear a mask or be vaccinated before picking up air crew. Picking up international air crew while untested, unvaccinated, even unmasked. We've vaccinated all those who are permanent employees, who've been in the system a while, but every day there are new people, uh, subcontractors of subcontractors coming into the system. Yes, once again, the pandemic catchphrase for this show, for anyone listening for the first time, is insecure work is going to kill us all. A limo driver who was not legally required to be vaccinated, masked or tested daily, like all other frontline quarantine staff, uh, started New South Wales's latest outbreak completely due to a lack of a government oversight and support. So, of course, as always, the state government made sure to blame the victim. Who's responsible for checking the COVID compliance of drivers is murky. Authorities say the onus is on the individual. Being slack about what the health authorities ask you to do 
is just inexcusable. Ah, what a surprise. As always, the insecure workers are expected to look after all their own health and safety issues with their own money in their own time, and then they get blamed if, heaven forbid, they ever prioritise making money to pay the rent in the most expensive city in Australia. Hey, here's an idea if the government wants to reach herd immunity sooner and encourage everyone to get vaccinated. How about paid vaccination leave for uh, casual and uh, insecure workers? That'll encourage everyone. Not that the free cookies and bottles of water aren't encouragement enough, but it's hard for people to give up a paid day's work or more if they get side effects uh, when they've got rent to pay. Also, speaking of the vaccination campaign, we're still way, way behind in Australia. Only... 22% of us have received our first jab, but the government has a, has, a, has a new guy to lead the effort. Today, the Prime Minister promised to kick the rollout into the next gear, with a top army official leading the battle. Bringing in Lieutenant General JJ Fruin, former commander of operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, so the government is going to bring in a military man who served in Afghanistan to help the vaccine rollout. Because, <laughs> as we all heard... Uh, this week at the defamation trial of Victoria Cross recipient Ben Robert Smith. Australia did real good in Afghanistan. Former SAS soldier Ben Robert Smith has revealed his squadron was given drinking glasses shaped like the prosthetic leg of an Afghan man killed during specialist operations. Afghan war veteran Ben Robert Smith has admitted to burning a laptop after federal police began an investigation into possible war crimes. The Victoria Cross recipient admitted pouring petrol on computers and burning them, but insisted it was something he does frequently to keep his personal information safe. Yeah, hey, maybe don't put the army guys in charge of the data entry at the vaccination centres, though. They're probably going to cause a fire. For those of you living overseas or haven't been paying attention to the Australian news, here's what's happened since last week's episode. Tonight, lockdown in effect for millions of New South Wales residents as restrictions expand to all of Greater Sydney and beyond. Greater Darwin sent into a snap lockdown after an outbreak at a gold mine. This morning, Sydney, Darwin and now Perth in COVID lockdown. A three-day lockdown for large parts of Queensland. The Premier warns it's time to go hard and go fast. Scenes of panic buying as Alice Springs goes into lockdown. All states and territories are scrambling to contain the latest COVID outbreak, with close to 12 million Australians now under stay-at-home orders. Hey, not all states and territories. Currently, the people of Tasmania are free to do whatever they want. They can even travel to New Zealand. Wow, that'd, that'd be a real change of scenery for them. And then in Canberra, you can also go out. But, you know, it's, it's Canberra, so you probably won't. Yeah, so to recap, a limo driver in Sydney spreading the Delta variant and a hotel quarantine leak involving a fly-in, fly-out mine worker in Queensland has sent most of Australia back into lockdown for the first time since March 2020. Geez, uh... Coronavirus really thrives in the winter. Who, who could see that coming? Not the Australian federal and state governments, that's for sure. Yes, while every other state in Australia seems to announce a hard and fast snap lockdown whenever there's even a single case of COVID in the community, well, here in New South Wales, our Premier Gladys Berejiklian tried a different tactic, announcing a long, soft and floppy lockdown when cases ticked up to almost 30 on Saturday. From 6pm today, all of Greater Sydney, the Blue Mountains, the Central Coast and Wollongong will go into a lockdown with stay-at-home orders in place until midnight 
Friday the 9th of July. But you know one person who would absolutely hate Gladys Berejiklian for announcing a lockdown like this? Well, (laughs) you can probably guess that it's past Gladys Berejiklian. I don't want to ever be in a situation where we need to lock down New South Wales again. We've done that. We never, ever want to be in a situation where we go into lockdown. We can't shut down every time we have a cluster of cases. We can't keep shutting down and reopening, shutting down and reopening. Look, living in Sydney myself, me and a lot of people I know were actually quite relieved when Gladys decided to pull the pin and put us into a lockdown as uh, I don't know about you I was getting very tired of stressfully checking the list of literally hundreds of exposure sites every day on my way to work damn it which day did I go to Ashfield Bunnings again oh Tropicana Cafe (laughs) sucked in Uh, but also being a pro-business conservative state liberal government has meant that Sydney's lockdown really isn't a very strict one. Other stores which might not be recognised as providing essential services or goods have not been ordered to close, leaving it up to customers to decide if they really need to go there. And just like last year's lockdown here, the definition of essential is whatever you want it to be. Yeah, honey, I'm just going to pop out for an essential Frasier Season 2 DVD from JB Hi-Fi. Then I might just swing by Athlete's Foot, you know, try on some essential shoes. Then I'm going to go to Kmart after that, get an essential uh, $12 Rage Against the Machine t-shirt. Oh, oh, Dal, if you're going to Kmart, don't forget to get the essential Lego Star Wars Baby Yoda and uh, the essential LOL Surprise OMG Dance 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 doll. Oh, well, I wouldn't forget that, honey. That's essential. But don't worry, there is some strictness. The police are out in force, cracking down on our lower-income multicultural suburbs. We will double down our efforts in terms of visibility and compliance uh, in southwestern Sydney, in particular around that Auburn, uh, Bankstown area, in those shopping areas. And if you're wondering if during this lockdown there was any uh, increased oversight or accountability for the police to make sure they weren't overly harsh or targeting the more vulnerable or needy members of our community, then of course there wasn't. All they told us about was this stupid bloody deer story. Unbelievably, we saw two men sunbaking naked on a beach on the south coast. They were startled by a deer, ran into the National Forest, National Park and got lost. Not only did they require assistance from SES and police to rescue them, they also both received a ticket for $1,000. Yeah, so the morning this came out, which was Monday, I was on my way to work and I, of course, saw the New South Wales police uh, threatening to fine a homeless man for not being home during lockdown. Good job, geniuses. And, of course, the media ate up the deer story like they were deer at a deer park being hand-fed some deer food. The greatest story of the year. Two men have been fined $1,000 each for breaching Sydney's COVID lockdown under very unusual circumstances. The pair were apparently found naked. Two men sunbaking nude on a beach on the south coast, apparently caught after they were startled by a deer. Startled by a deer. They'd been startled by a deer. Startled by a feral deer. That old one. <laughs> they were caught buck naked. Buck naked. The men were chased into the Royal National Park and got Each find a cheeky thousand (laughs) dollars. Certainly a story that raises more questions than answers. I don't know, I don't understand this. How deers are running wild over there and with naked blokes, anyway. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the deer's okay. 
Oh, and hey, speaking of erratic, red-nosed, fornicating mammals, on last week's show, I covered Barnaby Joyce regaining leadership of the Nationals and the Deputy Prime Ministership of Australia. So now, let's check in and see how that's going a bit. He's trying to set a a good example uh, during his first week back. Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce has been fined $200 after not wearing a mask while paying for petrol in Armidale yesterday. Someone twigged and dobbed him in to Crime Stoppers. Filled the car up with fuel, went in 30 seconds later, 200 bucks it cost me because I didn't wear one of these. But that's life. (laughs) Gee, it's not like Barnaby Joyce to forget to use protection. Look, to be fair, I too have forgotten to put on a mask when I've popped into a petrol station to pay for fuel because it's a simple, honest mistake. Anyone can make it. But at the same time, it's Barnaby Joyce. So please, everyone just dob him in mercilessly. Thank you. Well, here we are, right back where we started. Today is the worst day of the outbreak so far. 38 new cases with the numbers going in the wrong direction. Greater Sydney will endure another week of lockdown as a new battlefront emerges in the fight against the Delta outbreak. The lockdown was initially set down for two weeks, but just yesterday extended for one more. Now even that date is in doubt. Yes, it's all feeling incredibly predictable and repetitive. It's 2020 redux. It's a mega mix. It's pandemics on 45. COVID deja vu. It's like Groundhog Day, but we just need Bill Murray to stay in bed for the whole movie. If anything, the news is feeling like a bad FM radio station that just plays the exact same songs every single day. All right, time to play those classic lockdown hits here on the Newsfighters All Repeat Workday. First up, here's the New South Wales government saying only go shopping for essentials. The Premier even warning against essential shopping. Only go shopping when you have to. We're asking the community to only shop for those essential goods. And following on from that, that's right, you guessed it, the non-essential shops are open. This was Bondi Westfield, stores open, staff at the ready in Louis Vuitton. Yes, Louis Vuitton is open out there in the east. Now let's cross out to the west where New South Wales police are threatening to find people for buying shoes. Shoppers will be stopped and quizzed about why they're there. The question will be asked is what are you, what's your reasonable excuse for being here? You don't need that pair of shoes today. Well, now let's cross back to the Premier where she's saying the secret to beat the virus is everyone needs to stop moving around so much. Do not leave the house. Please do not leave the house. But what is the challenge for us is just reducing mobility. So it's really, really important for people to reduce their mobility. Oh, but that's right, you guessed it. There's no enforced travel limit, so all the rich people are driving to the beach. Not staying at home, big recreational crowds prompt strong warnings that hard work could be undone. At Bondi, the car park was packed. The testing clinic virtually empty. Most were exercising within the rules, but many clearly were not. Yes, massive crowds misbehaving there in the east. So, of course, what's New South Wales pulling out? That's right, it's a police crackdown in the poor, ethnically diverse western suburbs. From 7am tomorrow, 100 extra police will be sent into the southwest. Not a tactic employed in Bondi or the northern beaches. They'll be targeted by police on a mission to lock up communities already in lockdown. Health very clearly have said to us we have a difficulty in southwest Sydney. This is all about helping our community. Oh yes, and nothing says our community like the white policeman with the super Anglo Aussie accent. Good job. Oh, but at least the police are cracking jokes about it. The virus has shown very clearly that it doesn't discriminate and nor does the New South Wales police. (laughs) 
Oh, and here's another 2020 lockdown classic hit I'd bet you'd forgotten about. It's the insecure and casual workforce being told to stay home. Don't turn up to work if you've got symptoms. You might have the virus and then infect your whole workplace, which doesn't help anybody. Then not only will you be out of work, but everybody else in your workplace will be as well. I just would again urge everyone to not attend work if you've got symptoms. Please, please make sure that if you have the mildest of symptoms, you're not going out of your house to a workplace. Yes, but it's a bit hard to pay your rent because unlike in Victoria, we don't have a $450 test and isolate payment to pay casual workers without leave to isolate while they await their test results. So... What do you expect people to do? Oh, and here he comes. It's our gaslighter-in-chief insisting none of this is his fault and everything is going great. The Prime Minister has boldly declared that the nationwide mess with the vaccine rollout is officially over. We are now hitting every target, he says. Today, the Prime Minister sought to defend the slow vaccine rollout. Right now, we are catching up considerable time. Rejecting claims it's his fault. Morrison insisting delays in the vaccine rollout didn't contribute to Sydney's lockdown. And to suggest otherwise is just completely and utterly false. Yeah, Scott Morrison there seeming to forget the fact that we're 4.7 million doses behind on their latest revised goal and probably close to 20 million doses behind on their original plan from the beginning of the year. But uh, tell me again how good the vaccine rollout is. In fact, the vaccine rollout is going so badly that New South Wales this week compared it to which movie? The Hunger Games. That's how the health minister has described the demand for COVID vaccines. It's almost a sense now of the Hunger Games um, of people chasing vaccine. Um, and uh, until we get enough vaccine and enough GPs, we will continue to have effectively the Hunger Games going on here in New South Wales. Yes, the Hunger Games. You know, the movie where a corrupt dystopian post-apocalyptic government abuses its power to control the citizens and decides who gets to live and die. What on earth made the New South Wales government think of that metaphor? And then the film metaphors continued from the federal government. The head of the COVID-19 vaccine task force today ran war games with the states in anticipation of a surge in vaccinations in the second half of the year. Welcome to the war game of the National Campaign Plan for the COVID vaccine rollout. Yes, war games. You know, that classic 1983 movie where a young Matthew Broderick slacks off at school all year and then to cover it up, hacks into his school's computer to change his grade so it looks like he did a decent job when everyone knows all along he was just a bad, bad, lazy student. Those are your grades? Yeah. I don't think that I deserved an F. Do you? It's also apt because uh, in war games, Matthew Broderick almost causes World War III by hacking into a computer system, whereas Scott Morrison will probably almost cause World War III by accidentally referring to Taiwan as, I don't know, a state of America or something, and then insisting that's what he meant to say all along. Okay, wait, and hang on. So we're 18 months into the entire pandemic, and it's five whole months since the vaccines first arrived. And finally, the government is like, maybe we should sit around a table and uh, strategize strategize this rollout. Do you think it's time we... we you had a go with that? Well, at least there's one bunch of people who seem to have access to vaccine supply, though. Sydney Private School, St Joseph's College, is ahead of the game. 160 of its students have received the Pfizer vaccine when it's meant to be limited to people aged between 40 and 60. New South Wales Health has reportedly acknowledged the Pfizer doses were only intended for the school's Indigenous students. Yes, New South Wales Health accidentally vaccinated 160 elite private school kids. I mean, I can understand a doctor accidentally like slipping and, and doing one, but 160, that's like Mr. Bean level of slapstick to accidentally 
do that many. But of course, the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, took full responsibility. The school intended it well, there was a mistake, and so what? It's happened. Out of a million vaccinations, move on. Geez, remind me not to take this guy to the axe-throwing venue. Imagine if there's some kind of a mishap. He'll be like, well, out of millions of uh, axe-throws uh, that have been done, uh, there was a mistake and I accidentally smashed you in the face and killed you. So what? Move on. Uh, but first up... In Victoria. Lockdown number six. Lockdown number six. In just two hours, Victoria will be plunged back into lockdown for a sixth time. It is the state's sixth lockdown and will last for seven days. It's only been nine days since the last lockdown eased with restrictions still in place. Bring it on, make it short and sharp. Gladys has cooked it. Yes, thanks for your jibe there, random Victorian man. Look, we might only be on our second lockdown here in Sydney, but I assure you it will be longer than all six of yours combined. We know how to make everything bigger and pricier here in Sydney. Don't I know it. Victorian Premier Dan Andrews was channeling his inner M&M as he gave Victorians only one shot to eliminate COVID for the sixth time. We only get one chance to act fast. We only get one chance to make difficult decisions that are the right decisions. I'd much prefer to wait two or three days. So why don't you just wait two or three days like we did here in Sydney? That worked out. Well, for us, yes, as I record this, the cities of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Newcastle are all in lockdown. Over 16 million people and half the population of Australia, leaving our Prime Minister Scott Morrison to offer this incredible piece of insight. Uh, But for a lockdown to work, the lockdown has to work. Yes, thanks, genius. Really nailing it there. That's why you pay your multiple media advisors the big bucks, I'm sure. With New South Wales case numbers still rising despite six weeks of (coughs) lockdown, it's looking like we might just have to vaccinate our way out of this mess, uh, leading the federal opposition to have this brainwave. Labor has a new proposal, and it's pretty simple. Cash for jabs. A $300 one-off payment for all Australians who get fully vaccinated. What, what? 300 bucks? Hell yeah. I'll get fully vaccinated several times a day for that kind of money. Hell, I wonder how much I can make out of this total. I've got 1.6 million doses of AstraZeneca sitting at the moment that I can allocate immediately. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'll finally be able to afford to buy a house in Sydney. The only downside will be every time I drink water, it'll leak out of me like when a cartoon character lies on a bed of nails because I'll resemble a pincushion, but but it'll be worth it. Of course, Scott Morrison and the federal government are totally opposed to this cash handout for the simple reason that Labor thought of it first. I think the proposal that has been put forward by the Labor Party and Mr Albanese is a vote of no confidence in Australians. It says to them that their health concerns that they might have about a vaccine can be paid off. Yes, Australians can't be paid off with cash, silly. You do it with car parks. A $660 million park and ride program found to be no more than a pork barrelling exercise in must-win seats for the Liberal Party at the 2019 election. The hit list authored in the offices of Scott Morrison and Minister Tudge. And what Australians are getting are more car parks. Australians are the winners. Thanks very much. Surprisingly, young people actually in favour of building these car parks on the offhand that one day they'll be able to live in them which would actually make the uh, commuter car park policy the closest thing the coalition has ever done during their eight years in office to tackle housing affordability for young people. 
Morrison also said this of Labor's cash for jabs plan. This is a serious public health crisis. It's not a game show. No, but wouldn't it be great to see Mel and Koshy on Seven Sunrise rebrand the cash cow as a vaccine cow and ring people up at home in the morning and threaten to stab them with a syringe? Now that's good television. Anyways, uh, now on to the latest from the New South Wales. Delta farce. Okay, last week's episode, if you uh, haven't heard it, was a huge deep dive into how New South Wales got to where we are, stuffing up the Delta outbreak after managing to keep COVID under control uh, for the last 18 months. Um, But I figured uh, this week might be a good chance to uh, touch in again with the Premier State and see how things are going. Okay, so last week on July the 28th, with New South Wales facing record case numbers every day, the New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian announced this would be the perfect time to announce bringing Year 12 back to school. There's some certainty coming for HSC students. They can go back to class in two weeks, but they'll need to do regular rapid antigen testing. And those in Sydney's COVID hotspots will be given the Pfizer vaccine. Our intention is that Year 12 learning recommence face-to-face on Monday the 16th of August, and we wanted to provide that certainty to the community. To which everyone replied, you what? The Teachers' Federation, the Independent Education Union and Catholic school bosses, along with many students, believe it's not practical or safe. One in four of those infected are under 19. The health and safety of our students, their teachers and their families must come first. And then this week, Gladys was like, psych, JK, lol. Today, the Premier backtracked on the plan that was announced just last week. Last week, Year 12s were told they'd be heading back to class mid-month. Today, the Premier changed her tune. That was definitely our intention. The Premier says there won't be a uniform approach for Year 12s. Instead, there'll be different rules for different schools in different suburbs. Ah, yes, different rules all over the place. And hasn't that worked well for New South Wales so far, this outbreak? At the beginning, we had pubs open on one side of the street and closed on the other. And now we have different mask and stay at home rules within the same suburb. Good work, guys. Keep it up. And because the state government has failed to bring case numbers down, well, parents are bracing for potentially the worst news in years. Still no confirmation whether younger students will go back to school this term or even this year. The chief health officer can't rule out the rest of the year being taught remotely. How realistic is it that children are going back to school this year? I think the key issue is how we go. Yes, and if anyone out there is training to be a psychologist, uh, perhaps brace yourself to uh, hear a lot about this from your clients in uh, 10 to 20 years. And then in the winter of 2021, mummy and daddy started drinking. Like, a lot. So how did the Premier stuff up uh, Year 12's returning so badly? Oh, that's right. She didn't even bother consulting the Education Minister. Last week's decision was made by Crisis Cabinet without the Education Minister and was then announced without a finalised plan. Today's change in approach has now made that look like policy on the run. Oh, yes. Consulting stakeholders is such a waste of time. Next year when you're doing the budget, uh, keep the Treasurer out of it, I reckon. It'll make things a lot faster. It's a bit reminiscent of in mid-July when the New South Wales government decided to cut public transport back without even thinking about the people who caught public transport. Most services were switched to Sunday timetables, but that left many essential workers with no public transport at all. Um, Yeah, I sat at the bus stop for an hour. No bus. To be fair, the New South Wales government was like, what, the public catches public transport? To get to work? How come I've never heard of this? And moving on, with many businesses shut in Sydney for over a month now, you'd think that the New South Wales government would be effortlessly trying to roll out business support payments. 
<laughs> Wrong. Business anger is growing over delays to lockdown support payments, with many saying they've had no response to their requests for help and no sign of any money. The grants of up to $15,000 were meant to help businesses hit when the lockdown began in June. But now in August, many haven't seen a cent and their calls for help are literally going unanswered. Communications coach Marcus West says his calls to Service New South Wales have gone unanswered, similarly for his clients and even his accountant. He said that he's uh, applied on behalf of 60 small businesses and only one of those has received any support to date. We spoke to Jacinta from Anti-Age Me the day the increased support was announced last month. I just want to work again. She's still trying to apply for a grant. Every time it has said that it can't be processed, but it's not actually telling me why it can't be processed. Yes, six weeks into this lockdown and with no job keeper unlike last time, many business owners, including some friends of mine, are yet to receive any money from the government. But maybe they're just going about it wrong. The Premier says stop calling and just go on the website. We were finding too many people were ringing Service New South Wales and that was taking a long time. So if people go to the website, they can get immediate assistance. So that's what we did. Once on the NewSouthWales.gov homepage, we clicked COVID-19 support package. That opened a screen with different options, including a link for the business grants. Again, we clicked that, which loaded up a brief overview and a link to apply for the grant. Once you follow that, though, it takes you back to Service New South Wales, where it suggests calling if you have trouble. Yes, that's right. It's 2021 and the New South Wales state government doesn't even know the basics of how to build a square space. Someone go out and buy these guys a GoDaddy voucher right now. Anyways, moving on, the New South Wales government obviously can't master the financial side of this outbreak, but at least our uh, contact tracers still remain the gold standard and best in the world. Right? Our contact tracers have gone from gold medalists to the chasing pack, thanks to the speed of the hyperinfectious Delta strain. We're hearing stories of people who've been to places where they could have caught the disease and weren't contacted for days. Supermarkets and shopping centres have issued alerts for exposures before health authorities have notified the public, and some are even hearing of it first from online community groups. This person commenting 10 days late and of reporting venues wondering how many cases like this are around every single corner in Sydney. Another, I was there and checked in. I never got a message. In regards to contact tracing, we are getting reports that some people are being alerted by New South Wales Health on what would be the last day of a 14-day isolation period. Why would that be happening? Why would there be those delays? And there's no doubt, as the number of cases increase, so does uh, that mean that resources are stretched further. Um, but we have seen a, a huge boost in the number of people supporting our contact tracers. And can I please give a huge shout-out to our contact tracers? Yes, huge shout-out to the people whose workloads were increasing exponentially with our own incompetence. Keep up the good work, guys, and please work harder and faster and longer. Thank you. Hey, and just between you and me, I can tell you the main reason the contact tracing in New South Wales is falling behind right now, and it's pretty obviously simple. It's because the New South Wales government is letting there be too many cases. And there's too many cases because too many people are still allowed to go to work, and there's too many shops open. And now here's the Premier thoughtfully and carefully addressing those concerns from journalists. Why is Bunnings open? It's not open in Queensland. Next question. Why is Bunnings open? Oh, well, at least our first-class medical system is uh, still holding up despite the rising case numbers. 
right? Chris, you have breaking news on big delays at Westmead Hospital. Peter, two COVID positive patients have been stuck in ambulances outside Westmead Hospital today. The wait is unbelievable. One had to wait seven hours, the other four hours, because the volume of patients in the hospital meant the two people could not be admitted. While unions say doctors and nurses are stretched to the limit, dozens of staff at Westmead forced into isolation after a colleague worked three shifts while infectious. And if you're wondering why the New South Wales government, unlike other states, is keeping Bunnings open, letting supermarkets stay open late, keeping roads out of Sydney open, and letting workplaces have as many workers on site as they want, all while the contact tracing and medical systems appear to be on the verge of collapse, well, it's because freedom, baby! Our aim is to keep people as safe as possible and living as freely as possible. Uh, We're keen uh, to ensure we provide as much freedom as possible whilst living safely. Uh, and also um, as free as possible. Yeah, love that freedom, baby. Looking forward to six to 12 months from now when a member of the media pack at the 11am press conferences like uh, Premier, thanks to the uh, vaccine-resistant Omega variant, we're up to 200,000 cases a day, and literally everyone is dead except for you and me standing here right now. Uh, Perhaps, do you think maybe now is a good time to consider closing the Bunnings? And even then, Gladys would be like... Next question. And in summary, I... I think Scott Morrison said it best when he said, For a lockdown to work, the lockdown has to work. Anyways, uh, I'm over this crap. I don't know about you. I'm just over it. I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of the depressing news every day. Let's just just play the depressing montage of clips that shows how badly New South Wales stuffed up the Delta outbreak this week. Roll it. Gladys Berejiklian has effectively abandoned her target of zero COVID cases as the Delta strain spread to a record number of people today. This is clearly our third wave. Overnight, there were 390 new cases recorded. Less than half of today's cases were isolating while they were sick. What we are doing isn't working. It's going to be a rocky few months ahead for New South The Premier has revealed life won't start returning to normal until November. Fears lockdown conditions could extend till Christmas. The New South Wales government saying today the health system is under stress. It couldn't be worse. Not right now. Yes, with Australia basically in its third wave and COVID zero more or less abandoned, Australia has officially reversed Steve Bradbury the pandemic. We were within sight of the finish line and we've tripped and fallen and let New Zealand win the race. New Zealand! Yes, and uh, here's New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian summing up where we're at. You're all gonna die! Sorry, wrong clip. Here it is. We now have to live with Delta in one way or another, uh, and that's pretty obvious. And with case numbers where they are, Unfortunately, if you live in those local government areas of concern, there is a high chance now that you could get the virus. Yes, good job, New South Wales. So in summary, you're all gonna get the virus. Thanks, Premier. It's all very depressing right now. I wish someone could just take me back to the beginning of this outbreak when all we cared about were those hilarious sunbakers who startled the deer. <laughs> Those were the good old days. Two men sunbaking nude on a beach on the south coast, apparently caught after they were startled by a deer. They were caught buck naked. Buck naked. That old one. <laughs> I think the men were chased into the Royal National Park and got lost. Sparking a search by the SES paramedics and police helicopter. Each find a cheeky thousand dollars. <laughs> Certainly a story that raises more questions than answers. So anyways, back to today and things have been getting a bit out of control this week with Delta spreading 
absolutely everywhere, even to places nobody wants to go. Well, Canberra's first local COVID case in over a year has sent the ACT into a seven-day lockdown. The ACT will enter into a seven-day lockdown uh, from 5pm tonight. We also have positive wastewater detections around the ACT. Yes, hard to believe they managed to detect COVID in the Canberra wastewater over all the weed and fireworks in there. Yes, and with lockdown now, people in Canberra are going to have to do absolutely nothing but at home for a change. Ugh, and I can say that because I lived in Canberra. Thankfully, there has been one upside. Scott Morrison has an election looming within a year, and he now can't travel the country he governs for the foreseeable future. Ah, what a shame. Uh, COVID's also spreading into rural New South Wales, sending even more places into lockdown. An outbreak in Dubbo has seen the city go into a seven-day lockdown. Yes, I'm sorry. So, Sorry, what? City of Dubbo? Have you even been to Dubbo? That's a little bit generous, don't you think? Lockdowns have even spread to the country music region of rural New South Wales, as if life wasn't depressing there enough already. Also under lockdown, Armidale and Tamworth. As a precaution, uh, the health experts have recommended that we lock down Tamworth for one week. Yes, now the men, women, children and dogs of Tamworth and Armidale are now hiding in their homes. And it's... Not just because Barnaby Joyce is in the area like usual. In fact, most of the population of New South Wales is now in lockdown. But, uh, you know, we, we like to roll our lockdowns out very, very slowly here. Like an art house film release or a life-saving vaccine. From Byron to Burke to Shell Harbour and the entirety of Greater Sydney and Hunter Valley, around 90% of the New South Wales population is now locked down. The local government areas of Walgett, Bogan, Burke, Brawarana, Canamble, Gilgandra, Narromine and Warren will all be under the stay-at-home orders. If you're having trouble keeping track of where in New South Wales is in lockdown, I recommend setting it to that I've Been Everywhere song. I've been everywhere. Been to Tullamore, Seymour, Lismore, Maloolaba. Walgut, Bogan, Burke, Brawarana, Canamble, Gilgandra, Narromine and Warren. I've been everywhere, man. So where did the virus originate from? Well, you won't be surprised to learn that, like all horrible things, it originated from Sydney. Almost all regional exposures during this outbreak can be linked to Sydney. An infected worker went to the Central West, a young man spreading the virus to Newcastle after going to a party nearby. That outbreak's led to exposures in Armidale and Tamworth. Another man's visit placing Byron Bay in lockdown. The spread intensifying calls for a ring of steel around the city. Police checkpoints on all major roads out. Yes, experts are saying a ring of steel could help stop the virus spreading out to our vulnerable and under-resourced rural communities. Uh, uh, What do you think of that idea, Premier? The Premier's rejecting calls for a ring of steel around Sydney. Unless you have literally a police officer outside every single household uh, in New South Wales or on every single road, uh, a ring of steel does not prevent Delta from seeping out. Yes, forgetting the fact that thanks to our obsession with tollways in this state, Sydney actually only does have like five main roads out of it. But anyways, yes, uh, Premier Berejiklian was firmly against a ring of steel for a very long time. But uh, on Friday night, actually announced a uh, uh, paper form of steel, a kind of paperwork permit of steel, if you will. It's expected also a permit system will be introduced for people who want to leave Sydney with police uh, checking drivers on major highways out of the city. Yes, like everything in this outbreak, New South Wales has finally adopted a reactive solution about six weeks too late and done slightly differently so it doesn't appear like we copied what Victoria did last year. 
Good job. Hey, and uh, speaking of which, Gladys is also against a, another solution Melbourne had last year. But the Premier is refusing to order a ring of steel surrounding Sydney or a nighttime curfew. If we thought that they would have a significant or even marginal impact, of course we'd do those things. But there is no evidence to suggest that's the case. True, though, a curfew might help stop my dodgy neighbours from having people over every single night and the police not caring. I'm sure it could definitely have a marginal impact on stopping a COVID outbreak in my apartment block, which is feeling pretty inevitable these days. Look, I don't want a curfew... uh more than anyone, but I, but I reckon with these case numbers, New South Wales should probably be trying anything and everything that Victoria did, and more. And COVID isn't just taking over our regions, it's also taking over our regional delicacies. Tonight, thousands of KFC customers are ordered to isolate as staff test positive. A dozen staff at the KFC on Canterbury Road at Punch Bowl now have the virus. Anyone who visited the store at any time last week is now a close contact. Of course, the obvious problem with getting COVID-19 at a KFC is that if you start suffering from a fever, headache, chills and diarrhoea, you automatically just blame the KFC you ate. The KFC outbreak highlights that uh, much of the transmission happening in Sydney at the moment is in workplaces. In fact, uh, my local independent chicken shop near where I lived closed last Sunday due to a positive COVID case in a worker. And uh, as of Friday night when I'm recording this, it's still not listed on the New South Wales Health Exposure site list. So good job on the contact tracing there, guys. Really, really instilling confidence. Here's New South Wales Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant discussing how our workplaces are fueling the growth of this outbreak. This highlights, you have one person introduce it to a workplace. If you then have 12 people that become infected because we don't all maintain our social distancing. And then each of those 12 people will go back to their households and introduce it into their households and then you'll get that cycle of household transmission. Yes, too many workplaces and businesses are open, fueling the outbreak, but uh, that's actually the priority from this government. Remember this? Why is Bunnings open? It's not open in Queensland. Next question. Why is Bunnings open? Yes, and some people are going to work when they're sick because they're not even aware that there's a $1,500 paid pandemic leave payment that they can access because the state government isn't telling them. Do contact tracers tell them that they are eligible for financial assistance while they quarantine for 14 days? Um, That's a good question. I'll have to double-check that information. No News has confirmed that information is not regularly passed on. And while New South Wales has been standing firm for over a year now on uh, not paying people to test and isolate like Victoria did last year, looks like this could be about to change. News is that anyone from Monday who loses wages while waiting for a COVID test result will be eligible for a $320 payment. Now, this will only apply to those living in designated hot zones and the government is promising people will receive the money within two days. Yes, sadly, $120 less than what Victorians got last year and uh, it only applies to uh, the hotspot LGA. So, hey, if you live two blocks away from one of those, sorry, no money for you. So with our biggest problem being too many people are still allowed to go to work and many workplaces still allowed to operate at full capacity, the New South Wales government decided to blame rule breakers. Today, the Premier took aim at the people continuing to ignore the rules. Let's not pretend that people are doing the right thing. People are knowingly doing the wrong thing and pretending it's because they didn't understand. Delta does not leave any room for error. The Premier blames people breaking the stay-at-home order. We also have to accept that part of the challenge we have in New South Wales is because of lack of compliance. If people just applied the rules 
if they complied with the rules and the law and they applied an element of common sense and a modicum of decency to the rest of the community, we would be fine. If people just stuck with what they were asked to do, this uh, Delta virus would be finding itself uh, being beaten back into submission. Oh, and it's much more fun to blame a few bad individuals for doing the wrong thing when the actual problem is your deep-seated systemic addiction to individualism and big business. The New South Wales government is clearly consulting more business leaders than essential workers during this outbreak. And can I firstly thank industry for really stepping up. The stakeholders in business who've spoken to government about how we can get workers back to work, especially from those areas of high concern at the moment has been very positive and constructive. And can I please thank uh, all of business leaders, community leaders who've supported us in our efforts. Yes, the real heroes of this pandemic really were the business leaders and stakeholders. Remember when uh, in the early days of the pandemic, we all stood on our balconies and applauded the business leaders. Yes, thank you, business leaders, for trying to get as many of your workers back to work when it's clearly not safe to do so. Cheers. Oh, and case numbers got so high in Sydney this week that the government allowed even more people to go back to work. Thousands of Sydney tradies were back at work today after a COVID layoff that cost them three and a half weeks' pay and the Sydney economy billions of dollars. Some still need vaccinations, but business leaders say even a partial return is a boost for everyone. Yes, an actual first in the in this pandemic here in Australia in allowing vaccinated workers uh, back to work first. So I assume that it's uh, all tradies working in these areas that have to be vaccinated, right? Oh, no, wrong. The Canterbury-Bankstown mayor says unvaccinated construction workers from outside the hot zones can still work where they want. They could potentially bring the virus with them and vice versa. Oh, great. Well, I guess we know how COVID is spreading all around Sydney then. Good job. Yes, and as New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard says, this making sure everyone goes to work all the time is all about balance. As I said yesterday... We've tried to balance all the way along through this, uh, keeping our economy open, trying to address mental health. Yes, the New South Wales government cares about your mental health. Except, of course, if you're grieving a lost loved one. The city's biggest cemetery closes its gates to stop rule-breaking. Rookwood Cemetery, a heartbreaking example of Sydney's life and death struggle. Brad Hazard says, why can't they just go and grieve at a Bunnings like a normal person? Keep the flame alive for a loved one with a discounted tiki torch. So with case numbers in New South Wales still going up due to them locking down too late and refusing to institute a lockdown as hard as Victoria did last year, uh, the Premier's solution has turned from uh, getting cases down to vaccinating our way out. The Premier is banking on vaccinations to bring this crisis under control. The Premier claims we need more vaccinations, not tougher lockdown rules. With no end in sight to this outbreak, the Premier is warning the most challenging months are yet to come until the state reaches 70% double-dose vaccination. And can I again issue a plea to say, if you want to get back to work, if you want to get back to normal life, uh, please get vaccinated. Vaccination is key to what we can do potentially in September and October. This has been the experience overseas in provinces throughout Canada, that a targeted vaccination program in those areas of concern has strong evidence of reducing the spread and allowing communities to live more freely. And that's why we're really appealing to people to consider their options. Oh, yes. Let's follow the Canadian example. I did a whole episode on this earlier in the year. Let me cast my mind back. Oh, now I recall. That's right. Ontario had 9,000 deaths and reached... 4,000 cases a day during Toronto's, like, eight-month lockdown, which saw inside dining in some restaurants closed for 
over a year and children's hospitals forced to admit adult patients into their ICUs, all because their similarly pro-business, pro-freedom premier Doug Ford refused to lock down early and hard and tried to vaccinate his way out. That's a great example for you to follow, you absolute morons. And that was only with the alpha variant. You know, we're, we're trying to, as I mentioned yesterday, Rob, we're trying to have this happy balance. And it's, it's extremely hard. I've never been in favor of a curfew. And I'll, I'm going to tell you the reason why I've never been in favor of a curfew. And that's, that's a hard, hard lockdown. Cars aren't driving around, nothing at all. Because I believe in the people of Ontario. And as soon as you tell the people of Ontario, you've lost trust and we're going to have police chasing you down the street when you're driving, that's it. It's game over. You might as well throw in the, the white flag. Please, please. Just follow the protocols. And much like Doug Ford in Ontario, instead of uh, taking responsibility for their own delays, errors, politically biased, bad decision making and a total lack of understanding of how everyday people live in the state, the New South Wales government is just blaming their own constituents. Good evening. Stupidity, arrogance and entitlement. That's what the health minister says is causing our COVID numbers to spike. You can't legislate against stupidity arrogance and entitlement. Yes, that's right. You can't legislate against stupidity, arrogance and entitlement, but you can vote it out at the next state election. Anyways, moving on from one never-ending war in a failed state to another, it's time for an update on New South Wales. Delta farce. This is literally a war, and we've known we've been in a war for some time. Yes, for those of you playing a lockdown bingo at home, as I record this, uh... Everywhere seems to be in lockdown, including Melbourne, Canberra, Darwin, all of New South Wales, and even my absolute favourite place to visit when I'm in Australia, New Zealand. And the lockdown of the entire state of New South Wales came very suddenly last weekend. The news of the stay-at-home order leaking out through social media before New South Wales Health officially gave word less than two hours before it came into force. The official announcement came around 3.30 this afternoon that at 5pm, just an hour and a half later, their towns and cities would be locked down. Yes, just a 90-minute warning that the whole state was being locked down. I mean, you, you literally could have just walked into a screening of the two and a half hour Disney movie Jungle Cruise uh, and been kicked out before it ended. And what a tragedy that would have been. You would have missed out on some truly great dialogue like this. Let's go see some elephants. There are no elephants in the Amazon and I don't even like elephants. Lady, everybody likes elephants. Yes, inspiring stuff. Well, I, I think we all know who Disney is hiring to write their scripts these days. I like turtles. All right. Anyways, back to us all getting Delta. Here in New South Wales, cases are absolutely out of control, are reaching record levels of almost 700 a day yesterday. Uh, and this week we had a record day for deaths as well, uh, which makes it all very off-putting. Uh, when I go to the supermarket and I'm super anxious and cautious, and it's like I feel like I'm walking out into a battle zone. And uh, in the supermarket, they're playing the fastest, loudest 80s pop songs they can think of. I mean, I never thought the deadliest days of the uh, pandemic apocalypse would be soundtracked by Walking on Sunshine. And jump by the Pointer Sisters. But there you go. Anyway, speaking of supermarkets, COVID still appears to be spreading in workplaces here. We're still finding that people are visiting each other. And we're still finding that workplace transmissions are set off. Transmission between staff members in workplaces is also a significant problem. Yes, so with workplaces and households being the obvious main problem, the New South Wales police, of course, decided to send horses to the beach. On the famous sands of Bondi Beach, police on horseback. 
And here at Bondi Beach yesterday, we saw the mounted police unit doing laps at the coastline. Yeah, I mean, that's easily the most pointless reason the police have ever gone to the beach since Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach. Police Academy 5, their assignment, Miami Beach. This time, instead of making arrests, they're going to take one. What will the uh, New South Wales police think of next for our city under siege? Citizens on patrol? And much like a plot point from a bad 80s police academy movie, the police decided the best way they could stop coronavirus transmission on the beach was by setting up some high-powered video cameras. Police are using portable security cameras at Sydney's most famous beach as part of a city-wide lockdown blitz. Looks like those cameras are pointing in both directions of the promenade here at Bondi Beach. That has been met with a mixed response from some of the locals. Yeah, yeah, Sergeant. I wasn't sure if the girl had a mask on, so I had to zoom in real close. On on her bikini. Surely instead of pointing cameras at beachgoers, the police should just uh, go up to them and tell them to... Move it, move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. Police Academy references a my lockdown treat. Also in New South Wales, the Delta outbreak is so out of control right now that one of the main elements of our gold standard contact tracing has more or less been abandoned. New South Wales Health no longer publicly listing most Sydney exposure sites as venues of concern for close and casual contacts. There are too many. That's prompted a shift in reporting with venues such as shops and supermarkets no longer appearing on the government's website of exposure sites. Well, that's one way to stop people hating Bunnings for being an exposure site is to stop listing Bunnings as being an exposure site. Problem solved. Everyone thinks it's safe. But look, New South Wales is finally looking at the biggest problem so far this outbreak. Over the past two weeks, more than 70% of new cases have been transmitted within a household, mostly amongst family members. Household transmission is responsible for more than 70% of cases. And credit where credit is due, New South Wales is finally doing something to try and stop household transmission. Though the civil rights implications are quite scary. The Chief Health Officer today defending powers that allow police to pull people from their homes if deemed a risk to public health. I can just be confident that our public health doctors do not issue Section 62s for no reason. Checking in on a positive case at Greystains, police in full PPE. As they break the news to Gabriel Chalub, he's off to a health hotel. I don't know, maybe it's a mix-up. Confused but happy to comply, the concrete heads off for an indefinite stay. Look, it's called a Section 62 and it's a morally tricky situation. On one hand, forcibly quarantining COVID positive cases in many hotels so they don't infect their families or others in the community makes sense. And many believes it is what helped Taiwan beat Delta back from 600 cases a day to single digits. But on the other hand, Australia really doesn't have a good record of looking after the welfare of people when we forcibly remove them from the community and separate them from their families. Oh, it's something we've done a lot of in the past, but uh, we don't really think about the emotional and psychological consequences of locking someone up when they've literally done no crimes. Meanwhile, in Victoria, they're also dealing with their own worrying and uh, escalating Delta outbreak, leading Premier Dan Andrews to announce this new restriction on the weekend. There will be no removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath uh, as part of a pub crawl. Yes, yeah, so get ready for Melbourne pubs to start offering beer waterboarding. Lay down and relax and leave your mask on as you think you're drowning in delicious organic craft beer. Kombucha 
also available. Uh, also in the news. Precious cargo from Poland has arrived. Please be pierogies, please be pierogies, please be pierogies. And a delivery of Pfizer has arrived from Poland as slots for the shot are open to teachers and supermarket workers in hotspot areas. Yeah, look, that's great, but I'm sure after eight weeks of lockdown, uh, Sydney teachers and supermarket workers would much rather have a free bottle of Polish vodka. Am I right? But, you know... Pfizer's good too. So uh, how did Australia get this wartime gift from Warsaw? So Australia's been reaching out, uh, not just in our own region, but we've, we've been making friends all around the world. And we were very quickly on the phone. Uh, but because we had an, an existing relationship, that, that obviously helped. And I want to thank um, Prime Minister Morawiecki for his great support of Australia in, uh, in answering our call. Yeah, is it just me or does it sound like Scott Morrison just took the bloody phone book out and started calling all the countries in there. I wonder if he started alphabetically. Like, hello, Afghanistan? You haven't got any spare Pfizer lying around, do you? What do you, what do you mean you knew there? Well, we'll ask someone who's, who's there with you. All men? Really? No women in the cabinet at all? Ooh, you'll have to tell me how you got away with that. Anyways, with COVID zero, now a distant memory, perpetual lockdowns, the new normal around the whole country, and... Australia bracing itself imminently for thousands of cases a day. Our wartime Prime Minister stepped up with an inspiring and rousing wartime speech. I want to say thank you to Australia. As we continue to battle the most difficult phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, I want to thank every single person who was pushing through. We are not going to give up. We are not going to give in. I know as each day as you there, particularly those who are at home and you hear the news each day and you hear the numbers and you, and you hear the challenges, I understand that that can be very disheartening, that it can get you down. But let's not give up. That's not our nature. Let's not give in to that. Let's continue to look forward. Sometimes you can only see the tunnel and not the light. But I want to tell you, the light is there. Wow, what uh, what soaring rhetoric. Yes, there, there's definitely a light. It's the light of the cop car uh, when they're coming to take you away after you got COVID at a Bunnings because you thought it was safe. But, you know, that's still a, that's still a light. Anyways, yes, Morrison said we shouldn't give up. But, geez, I wish you'd give that advice to the New South Wales Premier. As the Premier admits, getting to zero cases is now beyond us. I think all of us accept that completely eliminating Delta is something that is near impossible. The Premier unable to rule out reaching thousands a day. We absolutely could if people keep ignoring the rules. So what the data is telling us in the last few days is that we haven't seen the worst of it. We are assuming that case numbers uh, will go up in September and October, which will be our most difficult months. We now have to live with Delta in one way or another. Yes, in New South Wales, we may be in... Literally a war. But it also feels like our... Political leaders gave up and fled the country. Yes, hope you enjoyed this special compile episode of News Fighters. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on your podcasting apps and on YouTube. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NewsFightersPod. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters and if you want to support the show we're releasing monthly bonus episodes on our patreon at patreon.com slash newsfighters or hit pay to subscribe and look up the bonus episodes on the apple podcast app all right everyone keep fighting get vaccinated wear a mask and bye for now
This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Completely annihilating Delta. 